You are listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. You can find us at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening. Hello, everyone. Now, this morning, uh, we're going to be beginning the first part of a two-part teaching series. And this is also the first time that we've taught on tithing. And it is the first time that Andrew has heard a message on tithing. Uh, Has anyone else heard one? This is uh, so often a topic that is avoided because of the potential for offence and misunderstanding. Or that will come across that the preacher is looking for a larger salary. That is, that they're pleading for more money. And I remember as a child hearing a memorable uh, sermon by our minister... And he was really, it was filled with numbers and percentages that if, you know, five families give five pounds more and 10 families give 10 pounds more and, you know, all that kind of thing, that if they give into the offering, there would be so much more money and there were graphs and numbers and all sorts of things for it. It was of the soul, it wasn't of the spirit, and it didn't bring life. And I want to over-communicate, I'm not on a salary and I am not looking for more money. We are a small church, and as part of becoming a member of DCB, we ask you to tithe. And because of the principle of tithing, we've been able to move into this building and renovate it without getting into debt or making a desperate plea for finances. We did invite you to participate in the finishing touches, which was much more about inviting you um, to participate, and it was an invitation It wasn't a desperate appeal for finances. It's somehow that we can't get this done because there isn't enough. Because there is enough because you tithe. So let me be clear. This is not an appeal for finances. And tithing is not primarily about money. This message is timely in that we believe this is the Spirit's time that this is taught in our house. And this is after we've completed the building, the signs up on the exterior wall and everything is done. So this is after the completed building. And the context in which I'm preaching this message is what the media is calling a cost of living crisis. Mortgage rate increases, less disposable income, increase on the cost of most items. So please notice the timing of this message and we have not missed it. Let me uh, read to you Joshua 3.15. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water receded. So, so often God calls us and reminds us to obedience when obedience requires the most faith. This is Psalm 37, 18 to 19. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their inheritance will last forever. In the time of evil, they will not be ashamed. And in the days of famine, they will be satisfied. So to live the fruit, you and I must garden the way God has told us to. I cannot plant a blueberry bush in alkali soil and expect it to do well. It requires ericaceous, uh, for those of you non-gardeners, which is acidic soil to grow and flourish. And I want to begin 
um, this message with my own testimony of tithing. Now, my own personal journey began with tithing when I was a student, when God got a hold of me in my late teens. And from that point on, I have tithed my income. Claire and I were talking about this last night and she tithed since she received her student loan. And Claire and I tithe every month by bank transfer to this church, to our church. Part of the reason I do that is because my income varies with income from art and different things like that. And I want to give God uh, 10% of that entire income, no less. The other part is that it is a discipline that I personally value to faithfully give it as soon as I can each month. God has asked for the first fruits and that's what I give him. Regardless of what bills we face, I never, I never wait to see if there's enough to give it to him. It's his, so we regularly are placed in the position of looking to him for strategy to do what needs to be done. We both together look to him. We have unity in this. We seek him and increasingly we're learning to act and expect. Now this is a, a, a verse that I really, really connect with. Uh, Psalm 37, 16 to 17. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. So let me take you back to 2015. Claire and I had the sense for some time that God was calling her to leave her permanent position of director of youth ministry. And she waited to honour her. I really want to honour her in this. She waited for me to give her the okay to, to leave. And I, I really want to honour her for her submission to my leadership in that. When I got the nod from the Spirit that it was the time for her to leave, I was self-employed and our photography business was hitting the ground like a dart. It was absolutely awful. Claire left her position and began as subbing as a, as a teacher. My salary dropped quite literally by 80% one month. There simply wasn't the money in the business to pay my business partner and I. And Claire's salary increased by the amount mine had decreased because we had trusted God and she had jumped from a permanent position to a temporary role. Had she have remained in her old job because it was, in inverted commas, permanent and guaranteed, we would not have had the provision because God was calling us to be obedient and not lean on our own understanding in all our ways acknowledge him and he would direct our paths. Your soul has insecurity. Your spirit is in security. Let me say that again. Your soul has insecurity. Your spirit is in security. Tithing pushes us out of the nest of our immaturity to learn to soar on the invisible thermals of the Spirit of God. And I remember the moment late one night in the living room in Balnahinch when we lived there, when the Spirit uncovered to me what had just happened. And I, I want to say that it pays to follow the Spirit of God. And in my soul, I expected his provision to be much more obvious, much less stressful to my soul. But I learned something from that situation that I cannot forget, and it's this. God knows what we need. He is able to give us what we need, but we must be obedient and stay close to him. 
the benefit that I received from that circumstance was not just the provision, but that God knows what he's doing. And I know of those who began tithing and their finances dramatically increased. In one case, their salary actually doubled, even though they were giving dramatically more than they had ever given before, which is quite a testimony. But my own personal testimony hasn't been that. It's been that we have what we need as we need it. It's been one of increasing financial wisdom and strategy and deep experience of God's goodness and to ever increasing dependence on him. Tithing is not easy, nor is it meant to be. And the soul doesn't like it. Your soul's not going to like it. But your spirit can have absolute dominion over the giving of the tithe, so much so that the soul is focused on the administration of it. So it's time to apply mind matters. Catch the little foxes. Deal with the strongholds. Hold every thought captive. Separate your soul and your spirit and don't lean on your own understanding. And as always, remember, please remember, this is an opportunity for conviction unto obedience that produces life. Don't let it be an opportunity for condemnation. And as always, my door is open. And please, if you need to talk to me, please get in touch. What I am teaching is quoted directly from R.T. Kendall's powerful little book, The Gift of Giving. And if you would like a copy of that, we will get you one. God is the God of our finances. And we all require teaching in this area as much as any other. So we go into this area to partner with him so that he is indeed Lord of our bank accounts too. Amen. So let me encourage you to lift the veil on where you are that his presence might bring freedom and transformation. You do not need to be afraid. So let me give you some vision for tithing. Let me begin by saying that all we have, we've been given to the very breath that we breathe. Acts 17, 28, Paul says to us, for in him we live and move and have our being. And this truth could be used to guilt and manipulate us into submission, but that would be a deceptive tongue, wouldn't it? Proverbs 15, 4, we've been given life. And like any discipline, it is self-validating. Just like if you've never fasting, you will never know the benefit of fasting unless you do it. And R.T. Kendall puts it so well. This is about teaching that has the potential to make what is threatening, thrilling. This is teaching that has the potential to make what is threatening, thrilling. It is a mystery, but the 90% goes further than the 100% ever could. The 90% that is left of our salary goes further than the 100% ever could. It just does. God is calling you to more, not to less. And there is an undeniable link with tithing and personal wholeness. There is, there just is. There's a setting in order. And not all who tithe become millionaires and drive Rolls Royces. And I have to say, if I had millions, would it be a wise investment to invest in a supercar? I mean, I know of a guy, um, there's a particular type of Ferrari that you have to be invited to, to purchase. And when you do, you can't sell it on for two years. But after the two years, uh, it's gained like £250,000, which is a pretty savvy investment. But if it's not that, surely then it's waste to just buy a fast car for no reason. 
He's calling you to not to live without the terror of constant financial adversity or pending, impending, uh, intimidating financial adversity. This is about living by faith and not by sight. And primarily it's about increased intimacy with God. The principle is tithing. The objective is tithing. The problem is our subjective soul gets in the way. And here's the key verse. This is Malachi 3, 8 to 12. Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings you have withheld. You're cursed with a curse for you're robbing me this whole nation. Bring all the tithes, the tenth, into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you so great a blessing until there's no more room to receive it, then I will rebuke the devourer, insects and plagues. For your sake, he will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field drop its grapes before harvest, says the Lord of hosts. All nations shall call you happy and blessed, for you shall be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So here are some reasons why Christians don't tithe. The first reason is that we haven't been taught. And R.T. Candles puts it really well. As with the hearing of the gospel, so it is with the teaching of tithing. We must hear in order to believe. Romans 10, 14 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Tithing doesn't come naturally to any of us. And when I began tithing, I received a lot of soulish counsel that it wasn't the wise thing to do. And it also tends to produce anxiety in the souls of others when their finances are led by their souls and their own understanding. The second thing is the why reason uh, Christians don't tithe is that, that we have a misunderstanding of God's law. And then finally, that they refuse to give their tithe. And I want to spend a bit of time looking at the misunderstanding of the Old Testament principle of tithing. So uh, firstly, because we think that's the Old Testament, we're not under law, but under grace. We lump the Old Testament together as all being the law. Paul said that the law is not faith. That's Galatians 3, 12. But let me read you this. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. By faith, that pleased God, Enoch, was caught up and taken to heaven so that he would not have a glimpse of death. By faith, with confidence in God and his word, Noah, being warned by God about events not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his family. By faith, Abraham, when he was called by God, obeyed by going to a place which he was to receive his inheritance, and he went. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and bowed in worship, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph when he was dying, referred to the promise of God for the exodus of the sons of Israel from Egypt and gave instruction concerning the burial of his bones in the land of the promise. By faith, Moses, after his birth, was hidden for three months by his parents. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been encircled by, for seven days by Joshua and the sons of Israel. By faith, Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed along with those who were disobedient because she had welcomed the spies sent by the sons of Israel in peace. 
That's Hebrews 11, 4 to 31. And this all took place before the law came. The first time the word tithe appears in the Bible is Genesis 14, 20. He being Abraham gave him being Melchizedek tithes of all, a tenth of everything. And Melchizedek is a type of Christ. Hebrews 7, 17, for it is attested by God of him, you Christ are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. There is no indication that Abraham was told to tithe by Melchizedek himself. The Mosaic law later made tithing a legal obligation, which actually came 400 years later. Abraham gave a tenth of everything. It was not a tenth of his time. It was a tenth of his spoils. The tithe comes from the increase or income. There is no indication in the Bible that a new convert should turn over a tenth of all his worth to the Lord. It is the income and the increase. Abraham did what he did voluntarily. And Melchizedek was not like the HMRC assessing the 10% and taking it. The government assesses as does the Mosaic law. And interestingly, Jesus communicated this to the teachers of the law. This is Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin. But you have neglected the most important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Paul said this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not out of regret or compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That's 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8. And this is 1 Corinthians 16, 1 to 2. Now about the collection for the saints, you are to do as I directed the churches of Galatia. On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a portion of his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will be needed. So you must, desi- you must decide. It's not to be out of regret or compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. It is regular and it's organized. So let me say that again. You must decide it's not to be out of regret or compulsion and God loves a cheerful giver. It is regular and it's organized. And God leaves it it, to us to give what is his back to him. He entrusts it to us And it is absolutely up to us. Now next week, we're going to look at the spirit of poverty and what that actually is. And we'll look at what the storehouse is and the benefit of tithing to the individual in the church. And we're also going to cover um, what a spirit of poverty is and how to uh, um, overcome that. So as always, every time there's a message, we're going to call you to respond. So I have some questions for you to consider to help you to respond. Do you struggle with fear in regard to your finances and need wisdom and strategy? Secondly, do you want to be a cheerful giver? 
And then finally, have you suffered financial trauma and need healing? If you can answer yes to any of those questions, then let me ask you to come up to the front. We're going to worship for a time uh, and then there's opportunity to receive ministry. So please come and join me now at the front. You have been listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. Remember to check us out at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk and have a great week.